Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the North Fort Worth podcast. It is Tuesday, November 17th, when we have recorded this episode live, but you can check it out anytime during the week. You can find it on our website at northfortworth.com slash media or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, I'm Josh Boyd, uh, your host, and I'm joined this afternoon again by Pastor Stephen. It's great to have you here. It is great to be back. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good week so far and a challenging uh, Sunday coming off of a challenging Sunday with the messages yeah, that we've been finished our up series to. in James on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, I want I know we wanted to touch briefly on this series and church. If you think back um, through uh, through this year of 2020, just the the social, the economical the political, the physiological, uh, the health concerns. I mean, is there is there a series of passages of Scripture that fit the challenges that we're going I, through? I can't imagine that there has been a more relevant book of the Bible than the letter of James, as we've looked at it since the middle of May. In fact, I mentioned to you earlier, Josh, that uh, I've got the start of the year when I began to, to pray about where we might be going with sermon emphases, I, I originally targeted uh, the study of the book of James to begin in October and to kind of carry us into 2021. But as COVID happened and it was obvious, things were becoming unsettled. We spent a number of weeks being reminded of God's presence and God's support. But then the Lord prompted my heart that we needed to move immediately into the book of James. And that was before a lot of the chaos really right. began to, to to break loose. And, and I, I can't help but believe the Lord himself was trying to put his word in front of us in a, in a way that could guide our thoughts, would shape our actions so that we could be uh, the reflection of Jesus yeah. in, a, in a time when people desperately need to see uh, Jesus' influence. Yeah, for sure. Very timely. And I'm telling you, as we have wrapped up this series. Um, I know Sunday, it, there are messages that are hard to hear and then there are messages that are, are hard to hear, but they're instantly, I needed to hear that. And I mm. think that's what a lot of this James series has been, have been uh, difficult maybe to, to grasp or man, that, that stings a little bit, but I am so glad that I heard that truth today, that, that kind of uh, emphasis. And I had several folks out of Sunday, uh, again, almost express exactly what you what you've conveyed where again it's not the type of message that you 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 say please talk to me about uh, people that wander from the truth and the implications of that but uh repeatedly what was expressed is i very much needed to be reminded of of our spiritual responsibility to yeah. be people that bring others that have lost their way back to where they need to be. And uh, uh, if you look at the book of James and how it ends, it really stands apart from many of the New Testament for letters sure. where, for example, with Paul, with so much of his writing, he ends the letters by uh, extending greetings to different people and then tries to kind of leave Lights on a mood. Yeah, a to, yeah. <laughs> with an upward appeal. God bless you. James, here he spent his whole letter asking us to to live out our faith and then he comes to his final two verses and he says listen if some have lost their way you need to be the one that uh, allows god to to work through you to bring them back and he does so in a rather pointed way yeah. in fact if i may just for our benefit let me read our two verses from sunday these are the final verses in james's letter 
And maybe it will help us to even think a little bit more this afternoon about what he's asking us to do. He writes, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Yeah. Strong words. I know some several things that we touched on Sunday that I mean that are right out of these two verses here and but it the implications really that someone we know yeah may wander and not even may someone we know will wander from the truth. And let's go further has wandered from the truth. Yeah. We as I mentioned on Sunday I I can't help but imagine that all of us immediately had a face come to our mind as yeah. we begin to think about what James was asking. Uh, someone we care about, someone maybe we've grown up with, someone that in the past has been used of God maybe even to help us in our faith. And now mm-hmm. um, they're not where they once were. Yeah. As James says, they've they've wandered away. And again, by wondering, we're not talking about they've stumbled in a moment. We're talking about a, a steady drift. They have moved away. Yeah from where they were. And I, I feel like every, no matter the level of maturity, that is that is part of being human, I think. And I this, think so. This wandering aspect. But the, the thing that I remembered vividly was not so much someone that I could picture that had wandered from the faith, but it was this second one, uh, the second observation that someone must act to bring the wanderer back. My mind immediately went to someone that had literally grabbed you know, my shirt tail, and that's not where you need to be. That's, now that's a good word. That's not... That's not who you. That's not who you are. That's not who I know you to be. That's not who Christ knows you to be. That's not who Christ has said you are to be. And, and my mind went there, huh. which is the second observation. Not so much to um, the first, right? Yeah. Not so much. Um, it was I was the first one, <laughs> and uh, you know I wasn't necessarily thinking of someone else in that aspect. But when it came to someone must bring the wanderer back, it was oh I can think of this person. Yeah, and thank God person. someone brought me back, and, and yeah. which leads right to the third one of my goodness. Jesus I'm so glad able. Jesus restored yeah. that in my life through someone else. And uh, just really, really cool and convicting observations there. Um, and, and I think a very helpful thing to keep before us is, as James concludes his letter is, again, that's not going to just happen. Uh, yeah. That it does involve someone. And that someone, in many cases, is us. It's If I'm the person that's seen someone that has begun to lose their way, um, then God is very much wanting to work through me uh, to to bring them back to where they are. Or, again, as you've uh, reflected out of your own journey, if I'm that someone who's begun to lose their way, then this afternoon, if you're listening to this, we're the someone (laughs) that are saying, come on now. I mean, God is wanting to use us. Jesus (laughs) desires to to restore and to bring back into your life what what he's able to do. And again, when we talk about wandering from the truth, we're not talking about wandering from Christianity or wandering from a set of rules. It's very personal. In James's mind, the truth we're discussing is is the truth of Jesus and the the wisdom and the life that he brings as we relate to him. And so James is is trying to help us to uh, both recognize how he would work through us, or if we are that person that seemingly has begun to to drift away, he wants us to come back. And we mentioned earlier when we were talking about this this passage, the kind of the converse of 
um, what's going on here and the, the challenge James lays before us and the victory really that lies in verse 20 of um, Jesus is able to save and restore yes, he can. if they're brought back. And that implies the existence that someone could potentially not be Yeah, and as not I be touched rescued, on that on Sunday, that, that's a very uncomfortable consideration. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, uncomfortable to even say. <laughs> you know, he says we're, we're saving them from death. And now various theologians debate now are we talking about eternal death because it's describing someone who's never trusted in christ are we actually talking about a a true follower jesus whose life maybe prematurely ended because we're not taking seriously the faith journey that is ours and as i conceded on sunday to me I, i leave the mystery there i let god kind of sort out what is being portrayed but the critical element here is our responsibility is to act, is to act because yeah. um, if we don't bring them back, then their life is certainly diminished. Sure. And God wants us to do that. And we've talked about these, the roles, you know, that we can have and we can uh, vividly picture someone that falls into maybe um, the wanderer category. Maybe that's us or we can recall someone or, or we can recall the task for us even to to reach out, to rescue a wanderer, to be the person that brings them back and uh, allows Christ to restore them. But um, if we could talk about just maybe not so much the wanderer, but the wandering sure. um, and what what causes that? What what's what goes on there? What causes us to really wander from the truth, to wander from uh, Christ? Well, and I just offered on Sunday some examples. I I don't think what I described was an exhaustive list, but certainly it it helps us to begin to visualize how a person's heart might begin to to drift away from from Jesus and the truth of Jesus, Uh, starting with uh, disappointment. And I think this is a very common one where um, a circumstance in life erupts. They find their mind and hearts rattled by what's happened and before they realize it, they begin to question God's love or God's care uh, based on just how bad the situation is. And and out of disappointment, they begin to slowly drift. And uh, th- yeah. that's not an uncommon thing. Again, I think as you look in the New Testament, there, there's a lot of, of instruction that we need to shore up our hearts in the midst of difficulty. And there's there's a lot of middle ground in disappointment, too, and I think that's what makes disappointment so dangerous, is because disappointment can be um, something as tragic as the loss of a loved one during a season of COVID. Certainly or so. It can be, you know... Uh, loss of a job yeah, as a result of all, COVID. All the yeah. way to something as, you know, trivial in our eyes, not to the Lord's, but something as I didn't get what I wanted in that situation, you right. know, or um, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. Disappointment is just... It's such a variation, I feel like, across, especially across our maturity levels and where we are um, in our faith. It's a dangerous place to be, I think. And it's not by accident, if you go back to the start of James's letter, as I noted on Sunday, he starts by saying, listen, uh, you need to allow trials and difficulties actually to be a catalyst of growth rather than a, a justification for, for drifting away. Uh, we, we can... Uh, allow our hearts to deepen in faith during hardship rather than to suddenly find ourselves weakening. But disappointment can certainly be, I think, a a serious contributing factor. The other broad uh, term I used that could go a hundred directions is is distraction, (laughs) where sometimes I think it's the world that appeals to our, our desires that begin to draw us away and 
uh, we begin to be fixated on, on a desire. And before we know it, uh, I mean, we have abandoned Jesus or the truth in a, in a way that he desired to be a much more influential part of our life. And, yeah. and once more, I think it aligns itself with James's letter. Uh, how many times did he expose uh, the danger of being selfish in your desires yeah. driven by just you and you alone? And, and if we're not careful, if we don't allow the Lord to maintain a healthy balance and perspective, we are uh, beginning to take our eyes off of Jesus mm-hmm. or the truth that he would help us to, to realize. So what, what then is the difference? I don't know. Distraction is a broad one, but what really sets deception then that third one, what sets deception apart from distraction? Well, and the, to me, the deception emphasis that I, I introduced on Sunday really deals with, I think what you hear in the competing voices of our culture. Yeah. Uh, we live in a, a day where though we confess Jesus as God, as, as the son of God, as the Lord of our lives. Um, I mean, just look at the media right now and mm. overwhelmingly they're going to mock that concept. They're gonna try to undermine uh, the, the conviction that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And, and, and in some cases, and I, I think this may be particularly true of a, say, a teenager moving into young adulthood, where maybe they had accepted the faith of their parents, but now they've moved into adulthood, and now they're hearing these challenging questions concerning the identity of Jesus. And they begin to accept these claims as truth and begin to reject then Mm -hmm. the the truth of Jesus. And when I talk about deception, I think that is, to, to me, a very disturbing Um, aspect of our world and I would interject at that point I don't think that's happening by accident I think our adversary the devil is doing everything within his power to undermine our perception of Jesus in fact you could put the devil behind all of these uh, potential factors where the when I'm in the midst of a disappointment the devil whispers in my ear God doesn't love you when I find myself being distracted by desire it's the devil who's saying why don't you chase after that instead of the Lord and now when I have someone in my mind saying that you know Jesus he's not God he can't save he can't be a difference in your life it's the devil who tries to then drive that deeper into my subconscious so that slowly I begin to think you know do I really need to go to church? Do I, why should I even read the Bible? Why yep. should I give my life to something that I don't know is absolutely true? Yep. And before you realize, you've drifted away. And I think with while we're camping out on deception here, I, I love to tell uh, students and young adults and um, young young guys that are struggling with um, whatever it is in their lives, with their relationships, with their walk with the Lord, um, whatever it is, I don't know what it is about young people, but the, the, there is such a huge emphasis and I would be willing to put this to, I'd be willing to put this to the test with anybody's sin struggle. I really would. But I feel like since the beginning of time, a sin is introduced because we've been deceived. A sin struggle, a sin pattern in our life is because we have believed a lie that is not the truth. And this deceiving factor of, did God really say that? Did, did God really mean, what did he mean by that? You know, what, well, are you sure that that's okay? You know, and this, this whole presence of deception and the, um, our culture is the ultimate con man really. And, 
um, it's dangerous. Like yes. you said, and it's so again, dangerous. Jesus referred to our adversary as the father of lies. Yeah. And, and lie, the deceit can be so subtle. Mm-hmm. Again, it can be a half-truth, but, but it's that half-deception that moves us away from the truth. And, yeah. and so if we don't appreciate that, and if we don't acknowledge that we live in a secular day and overwhelmingly certainly in terms of the broader voices in the media they are not going to support the the biblical teachings concerning jesus christ and and so if if i hear it enough eventually i'll begin to think well maybe i just need to consider jesus to be an inspirational teacher and not necessarily uh, the life-changing son of god as soon as we begin to, to to lean toward viewing Jesus as just a an, an inspirational figure rather than a transformational savior, then our lives are going to be the the lesser, and and mm-hmm. we are beginning to to wander from the truth. And yeah. so James, I think, appreciated that he he felt it important enough that he ends his letter by saying, "When you see someone." who's losing their way. And, and the critical emphasis there is that if you're the one seeing that, then James would say, now you're the person God wants to use to bring them back. I, I, I fear there are maybe a few occasions where we see it, but then we're expecting someone else to come to, to the rescue, that someone yeah. else other than me will be the person God uses. I want to stress, if you're listening to us this afternoon, if, if you know someone right now, whether it's because of disappointment, distraction, or deception, they've just begun to seemingly turn away from Jesus in a, in a way that, that concerns you, then you need to know God wants you now to be that instrument of his grace that leads them back to rediscovering the beauty of Jesus. And Again, I'm not trying to put a heavy weight on you if you're listening now and you're hearing this. I'm just wanting you to view it as a privilege, actually, that God wants to use you to bring them back to the beauty of, of Jesus and the difference that Jesus can make. Well, I know we talked uh, Sunday. I don't know. A lot of people, and this was the most impactful part of the sermon, and uh, certainly was one of mine as well. But we talked about Sinclair Ferguson's model mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the five things that he mentions um, that you used to, to share about bringing the wanderer back. And I know the first one, we're going to unpack these individually. The first one was be prayerful for them. Yes. And again, I, as I shared on Sunday, his model, he developed based on what he perceived the interaction to be between Jesus and Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, we know Peter's uh, denials in a dramatic way, and then just the shame that potentially would cause him to, to, to turn away from Jesus. Well, when you look at what the Gospels describe, uh, Jesus tells Peter, now, I'm praying for you. And we are Peter. Yeah, and then you're, you're going to be sifted like wheat. But I'm praying that on the other side that your, your faith will actually be stronger. Yeah. And, and so uh, where Sinclair Ferguson starts by saying, if you're going to bring someone back to the truth, you need to be praying for them. I think he, he very much is helping us to appreciate, first of all, the power of prayer, but also that it's through the vehicle of prayer that, that God, I think, is going to then work through you. Because, see, part of my praying for the individual, yes, I'm asking the Lord to open their eyes, to, to tender their heart, but I'm also asking the Lord to use me, uh, that God will 
help me recognize the right time and the right place to yeah. be able to be instrumental in helping that person that I care about uh, reconsider perhaps the direction that they're going. And so uh, it begins with prayer, and, and I, I would quickly add, and it continues with mm-hmm. prayer. It's not like, uh, you know, you just pray one time and that's going to be adequate. All the, I, that's what I love about this model is they all build on one another. They do. You can't, Very much so. You can't have really any of them without the others. And so, you know, you need to be prayerful for them. And then the second one, as we introduced on Sunday, was to be willing to spend time with them. And I made the comment, you, you can't expect to influence someone that you don't interact with. And so you're not going to interact with them. Yeah. Unless you create space, and uh, you should definitely write that down if you're if you're listening. Well, and again, can we all agree? Life at some time, on many occasions, we allow it to become so full and driven, we don't create space mm-hmm. for the people that in our hearts we know He wants us to work through us to reach out to. But for instance, going to require the investment of time. And what's more, if you look at Jesus' interaction with Peter, uh, He committed Himself to be present and and we need to look at opportunities that uh, the Lord might then work with us as we try to look for spaces now please don't let that become a a, a preachy environment uh, you need to live life with them I think is yeah. the point Sinclair Ferguson would make that you're not simply be, setting be up an appointment to preach yeah. a sermon be you're, present you're just wanting to be in proximity yeah. I mean I've in the years past have talked many times with people who've had a burden for a family member and and maybe the family member has made some really dramatic steps away from Jesus in terms of their lifestyle and and again the the temptation is to to distance yourself because you've been disappointed by what they've now chosen to do but if you distance yourself from them uh, potentially you've withdrawn from them the ability to influence uh, who they are. You, your voice is no longer a part of the voices that are shaping uh, their lives. And so, again, I think Sinclair Ferguson is right. You need, uh, with God's help, to create space to provide time where God could speak. Yeah, definitely. And I think that leads us to really the third one is uh, gentleness, to be gentle. And I we talked briefly earlier that, um, you know, if, if you are a committed Christ follower, you want to be a follower of Jesus, praying, spending time in fellowship with others, and gentleness. Those are free. Yeah. <laughs> those are free spaces for you in, in Sinclair's model. The, yeah, these yeah. are. And if you think it's just a reflection of Jesus in yeah, you, right? I yeah. mean, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness. I mean, these are qualities that. that uh, hopefully are not things that you have to <laughs> they, add to your they, list. And they may get more difficult with people that have wandered or people that are, uh, that are, that are not wanting to hear the truth, but that doesn't mean they're any less important. In fact, they're probably more important with people who have wandered. I, and the gentleness is such a, I mean, I think of, I'm not going to get political, I promise, but in the, you know, over the last few weeks, you think about on the, the news media, the build up to the election and the lack of gentleness right. that there is in our culture. No, there's a harshness right now in our culture that is pervasive. Yeah. And and if we will allow Jesus, and I stress this is going to be a work of God in our hearts, to help us to, to be tender. Um, see, especially for someone who's wandered from the truth, I would argue in many cases there's, there's an underlying guilt that's there. Uh, 
And if you come on harsh and you come on in a, in a, in a way where it just sounds like you're, you're condemning them and you're attacking them, uh, then they're not going to hear what they need to hear to bring them to the point sure. of returning to the truth. There, there, there just needs to be a, a, a gentle manner in, in how we do that. And I take that, take you back to the opening appeal. You need to be praying that God will influence uh, the tone of your voice, uh, that the Lord will influence you to know even the time uh, that that you speak, which brings me to the fourth one. You do need to be brave. See, some people I think <laughs> will camp out on being gentle, and and they never bring up the the discussion. And some people camp out on brave and are never yeah, gentle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, why is that? I mean, I I appreciate there's a there's a tension between those two, but what's to me, I guess, inspiration was I looked to Jesus, and he was able to embody that tension. John tells us in, in his gospel in chapter one that uh, you saw in Jesus the fullness of grace and truth. And if you think about gentleness and, and bravery, really that's what we're characterizing. You, you, you want to be gracious, but you need to speak the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't introduce how they may have wandered away, uh, I guarantee you, given our society, uh, no one else is going to cause them to think about that sure. and so uh, swallow hard say a private prayer and then ask the person maybe some questions to help uh, them yeah. consider where they are and and the choices that they're making i learned from a you know previous mentor and this is not at all taking advantage of it's not at all um you know buttering someone up but the it is totally okay to use uh, the method, the soft start method in, in situations like this with a wanderer, with um, someone who is um, totally going against, um, you know, if we're dealing with leaders or discipline or anything like that in the church, it's, if you have one thing that you're going to point out that someone needs to correct in their life, you need to share with them three things that they're doing well, th mm. three things that you absolutely love about them um, before you can bring. And not only does that, it softens the tension, I think, but it also is, hey, I'm, I love that you, that you love people. I love that the Lord has gifted you in that. I love that, uh, that you are such a well-spoken person. I love that you have a heart for whatever ministry it is that you're serving in. But because I love you and I know that you're great in all of those things, I know that this is hindering you. And I know that this needs to be made right with the Lord. And I think I've seen that in my own life work That's wonders. very well expressed. Uh, and I know that uh, if, if Again, you're, it's not manipulation. What, not what you're all. wanting to do is embody the love of Christ. Yeah. And if you look at Jesus as the example of this, then you see in him uh, the desire that clearly affirms the value of a person. Uh, and and seeks to to help them to appreciate who they are and where they are and and even more uh, significantly how Jesus might enable them to discover even a greater sense of purpose and and being that that Jesus is able to bring yeah. forward. So yeah, I, that's very and well while, spoken. While you're on that one, you know, talking about how how we're. Um, we're wanting Jesus to work in their lives. We're wanting Jesus to reveal something that maybe does need to be tweaked, something that can be restored there. We have to be there for them after the restoration. Yeah, That's the I, final I, one. I thought Sinclair Ferguson's comment there was particularly helpful because if we're not careful, our goal is kind of just to get them to yeah. turn toward Jesus. Okay, and then we later. disappear. <laughs> yeah, we were, oh, have, a, job. have a nice journey. <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, what you want to do is 
if you want to visualize it spiritually, take them by the hand and you're walking with them to Jesus. But then by faith, you're going to continue to walk with them with Jesus. Yeah. And uh, again, they need to have somebody on their side, especially as we all know, sometimes in the church, people seem to be uh, I don't know, standoffish to a person yeah. that may not have made some of the best choices. Shame they turned away. Yeah. yeah. And so if if they see that you were there for them, I think that will give them the ability to gain their footing spiritually. Now, this isn't a completely one on one comparison, but I, I can't help but think of Barnabas and, and Saul, better mm. known to us as Paul in the book of Acts, where here Saul makes his dramatic faith experience but boy there were a lot of people that were very standoffish yeah. uh, and then God uses Barnabas to come to him and and to walk with him and and to bring it even a, a stability I think to his own spiritual development and a sense of of support and acceptance in the community of faith and I I think as we think about how we can affect the life of someone just we need to pray now Lord as you help me bring them back to where they maybe once were, then enable me to walk with them a little further and uh, uh, just to be an encourager to them in a way that God will then uh, even strengthen the fresh work that he started. Well, I'm excited for this Sunday. I know we're going to touch on gratefulness and how to... to we're going to be a, thankful. How to live with a grateful heart. There and, you uh, go. Which is very timely for a year like this. There's a, We could complain about a lot. <laughs> but we'll, we could, just to remind everyone, we'll be observing the Lord supper this coming Sunday. And uh, if you're uh, out of caution, not able to join us on campus, we've been promoting, uh, you can stop, drive by the church office, drive yes. through our our uh, Feel free. little entrance area, and uh, we'll bring out the elements for the observance so that you can be a part of the service. But uh, it's going to be, I think, a, an encouraging, meaningful time just to refocus our hearts. And yeah. we hope that you're planning to be a part. Church, as we uh, mentioned a few weeks ago, we are uh, in, in so many different ministry areas right now with, with COVID being such a huge factor on our teams and uh, just on our attendance and everything uh, that, that involves the life of our church. We are in need of volunteers in just about every me- me- uh, area of ministry that I can think of. Uh, I would agree. Um, and so if you're feeling called um, to, to take a stand and maybe be brave um, in, in spite of uh, a pandemic, um, you, you'd like to serve somewhere, we'd love to, to meet that need. We'd love to, to uh, meet you somewhere in the middle there and find a middle ground to where you can serve and still um, be social distance or still um, keep uh, in a wary mind of, of the pandemic and the, the virus. And um, But we also wanted to touch on briefly before we end, uh, we wanted to touch on uh, our new Christmas emphasis, Rediscover Christmas. Yes, we uh, are. Coming up very, very soon. Uh, it's hard to believe that it was just Halloween a few weeks ago, and now we're talking about Christmas. Already. And next Monday, I think, uh, Josh, we'll be sending out a devotional guide, yeah, yeah. Uh, a digital reading guide that will be, be helped to We'll to be everybody. sending out a, a digital Advent prayer guide, a Christmas devotional guide that will touch uh, the whole month of December and um, even the last Sunday in November. Yeah, it, it begins um, that final yeah. Sunday. And so you'll be able to read that with your family, follow along every day, not just Sundays, but every day. It will walk uh, you be, to Christmas 
yeah it'd sell it'll be great and it'll actually tie into a lot with what we're going to be doing on campus i know with children's and uh teenagers and also on sunday mornings in our uh, our large group worship gatherings well, well just as our james series i think has been especially relevant the themes for our advent season will be on hope joy peace and love and i don't know about you but i think we need to uh, have a fresh yeah. rediscovery of of and that's all of that's that. really what it's built around is, you know, regardless of what this year has thrown at you or your family, let's, it's almost the basics of Christmas. Let's it get back be. to the basics of yes. things. And I think it'll be refreshing for sure. But uh, we're excited about that. And we're excited about seeing you in person tomorrow night um, at our Wednesday night uh, midweek gatherings. And then right here on Sundays at 9 and 11 for worship. Uh, we love you and we're praying for you this week. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.